Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, we're going to be talking to a man who is one of Australia's leading barbecue competitors, who's now put his passion for barbecue into opening up Australia's first ever barbecue-dedicated co-packing business. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This is episode 116 of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. You can probably hear I've got a bit of a flu. I'm okay. I did get COVID tested. It is not COVID. Everything is fine and normal and wonderful. Coming up in today's episode, we've got a great one lined up for you. We've got a gentleman who is a multiple grand championship winning pit master. Uh, He was half of the second ever Australasian Barbecue Alliance champion winning team. Um, He has since started Australia's first ever barbecue dedicated co-packing business and if you haven't worked it out yet we are talking to Scott both from Bison Barbecue. Now before we get into it I just got a couple of things that I do want to run by you. Just a couple of announcements. First of all you may be aware that the Brisbane Barbecue Festival has been pushed back again because of the COVID regulations. It is not gone. It is still going to go ahead. It's just a matter of working out all the different uh, the different paperwork things that have to go ahead for COVID regulations and getting all them lined up and, and getting it underway. But the Sunshine Coast Barbecue Festival is still going ahead at this stage on the original weekend of the first weekend in September. So do keep an eye open for that. I'll be there. It's going to be an awesome time out. And to keep up to date with all those sort of things, make sure you're watching the Barbecue and Beer Roadshow socials um, as all those competitions are all run by the Barbecue and Beer Roadshow. So as I said tonight, we are talking to Scott both from um, from Stag and Cove and from Bison Barbecue. And in tonight's episode, we're going to be covering a whole bunch of stuff. Of course, we're going to be talking barbecue. We're going to find out what Scott likes to cook and some tips and different uh, some different ideas for how he likes to do those things. And then, of course, we're going to get into Stag and Co. Um, it's quite a big thing. It's quite a common term in America. This word co-packer. It's uh, it's something that we're reasonably new to here in Australia. So we're going to find out all about Stag and Co. Um, all the wonderful work that Scott's doing with different people around the country. And we're going to close out the interview with a lesson of Scott's choice, which happens to be tips for competing solo. So for those of you out there who are looking at getting into competition, um, or if you're already in competition and you're looking to, uh, to go out solo and do some, uh, do some traveling around the country, it, it does free you up a bit more, but we'll talk more, more about that later on. We're going to get some tips and techniques for that. So without further ado, let's get stuck into this podcast. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Alrighty, Scott, welcome to the confessional, my friend. How are you today? Good, mate. Yourself? Mate, as I said at the top of the show, I've got a flu. Um, it's, it's 10 days now. I was so worried. I actually went and got COVID tested. That was not a pleasant thing. Um, but it is the responsible thing to That's do. Exactly and if people right. are showing <laughs> symptoms, they should go and do it. Um, just suck it up. It only takes a couple of minutes, um, but it it is not COVID. I had the results back in less than 24 hours. And so okay. it's just, uh, I've, I've got Lemsip here in the cup. I've got uh, Vicks Vapor Drops over here and the beer has been replaced with water for today. So, uh, <laughs> and I promise I'm going to try and do all my sniffling off camera and I'll mute my microphone if I need to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would suck. Well, at least you're up in sunny Queensland though. Well, <laughs> yeah, that, that is the good thing. It is still, you know, sort of 20 degrees outside. It's still quite warm and nice. So that is, uh, that, that is definitely an advantage. Um, but let's get things started. So tell us, though, what was the last thing that you barbecued? Uh, lamb shanks, actually. Um, you know, I haven't done anything this weekend, but yeah, last weekend I barbecued some lamb shanks. Um, I hadn't done it for a little while. Testing out um, a new uh, a new rub, actually, from... Um, Smoky Pastures guys that are launching this week, so I had to test it out in the barbecue, and it was it was great. I've seen um, a, a couple of shots of their stuff coming out, so we'll we'll probably talk about them a little bit later because I know that you uh, have a bit of a relationship there. But yep. um, tell us more about these lamb shanks. How do you like to go about doing them? Um, yeah, so I like to smoke them for a little bit, uh, so probably two or three hours beforehand. I rub them in uh, whatever rub really that you you want to do, and underneath I usually. At home, I use the Weber quite often. Um, so I'll set it up indirectly um, and smoke them indirectly. And I'll put um, a pan underneath 
um, with all the vegetables, et cetera, underneath as well. With um, So, for example, the one I did on the weekend, um, some uh, tinned tomatoes and the veggies, and then the drippings can go down in, into the, um, the ragu that it makes. And then I'll uh, slowly cook it, I'll, um, put, transfer them into the actual um, ragu itself and cover them up and, and continue cooking them until they're done. Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. Yeah. It's been wow. the first time in a while. I was craving it the other day, so I thought I'd do them again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I did a few uh, just a few weeks ago, but uh, damn, they're getting expensive at the shops now. They are, unfortunately. Yeah, they're a bit of a treat. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny because I remember when they were, they were the things that the butcher would try and give away when you were there yeah, making an order for yeah. something else. It's like, so are you sure I can't give you any of these lamb shanks? No, that's like, like a lot of the long, slow cuts, really. The, they used to be um, very cheap, but um, everyone's pushing the prices up now, so stop smoking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I'd, um, I'd, Kind of goes against the uh, the the push of this show, though. So we won't uh, we won't try and encourage people to no, stop uh, to, to, <laughs> to stop smoking meats and cooking barbecue. So um so you you mentioned that that you cook that on the Weber. Is that your personal barbecue of choice when you're cooking at home? I, or do you? Yeah, it is. It's probably well, it is the very first um, barbecue that I learned to, to smoke on, and still the one that I probably use the most as well. It's nice, quick to get up to temperature, um, especially when you've only got. Two, I've got a um, family. The eldest is four, so he doesn't usually eat a lot of that type of stuff. So you're only usually cooking for two people on the barbecue. So the Weber is a really good one. Um, the other one that I like to cook on, um, being a drum, drum smoker, again, nice, quick, the hot and fast style on the drum. Um, yeah, really enjoy cooking on those, those two. Yeah, drum smokers are certainly getting more and more popular. Is that one that you built yourself or is it a prefab no, one? I'm not that skilled, unfortunately. <laughs> I'll keep to the cooking on that side of things. Yeah, I'm definitely not skilled in that area. Um, no, it's just a, it's a locally made one. Um, yeah, they got made up and, yeah, it stands the test of times. It just yeah, keeps going, which is good. You can, it's been left out, neglected a little bit, but, um, yeah, still keeps going and still puts out some really, really good food. I love the different the versatility that you can do with them as well from even things like pizzas and, and hanging things in there. So I've been doing um, um, some like curries that you hang them on the skewers. Um, so smoke them first with so some t- tandoori style um, and then putting a pizza stone down low as well. And, yeah, so you can do a lot of things with them. Wow, that sounds really interesting. Mm, yeah, would I'm just trying to just get my head around the 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 physicality of lowering a pizza stone right like down inside the drum. There, you'd have to be uh, sort of yeah, no, it's not too bad. So it's just on a lower lowest rack that you can actually go and put your pizza stone down there at the start and um, put your pizza on um, once the stone's up, nice and hot. Oh, okay. So it's just the it's just the standard lower rack. You're not putting yeah. in like another rack right down just above the coals. No, no, yeah, standard. Oh, lower. okay, nice and hot. I was just kind of picturing you sort of bent in half halfway down inside the no, drum no, there trying to get the far. pizzas in. <laughs> not quite that far. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So um, cooking like that with the the sort of the different tandoori's and things that, that, that you were saying there, are they some of your favourite things to cook? Yeah, it would be. I don't cook a lot of the American-style stuff at home. Um, I'll save that for the um, the practice and the barbecue comp side of things. I guess you, you're cooking it all the time. Um when barbecue comps are actually going. Um, so yeah, try to cook a lot of different things, um, different um, styles and cuisines from around the world. Um, and uh, I, I'm not a big fan of sweet as well. So I cook a lot of the savory style. So um, if I'm doing pork ribs, I'll, I'll always go as more savory style and not those sweet sauces for home cooking. Um, yeah. So do you go so far then as doing like a dry rub? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I'll put put the dry rub on, but um, it will, I can do usually do both as well. So if you go sort of like an Asian style, do a wet rub, um, or if you yeah can go still the American style, but just do a dry rub on it instead, less sugar. Oh right, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I guess um like if I really think about it, when I do the foil stage, I do dump a whole lot of brown sugar in there. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah so unsourced, you, unsourced dry ribs is my go-to at the moment. <laughs> interesting, yeah. interesting, yeah, yeah. Straight up. What's that? That's Straight um, up. that's Kansas style, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah very yeah. much so. Interesting. Yeah, there's there's quite a bit of a move away from from processed sugar, and there's so much processed sugar in barbecues. So that's interesting to hear you say that. Is that is that a health choice that you're making there, or is that just well, a, no, not really? To, uh, to be honest, I'm not a big sweet tooth 
all together. I don't usually eat a lot of sweet. I'm, yeah, again, that savoury person. I'll always go for the chips instead of the, the lollies or the sweets. Um, second helping of mains instead of the desserts afterwards, that type of stuff. So, yeah, I'm not a, not a big sweet tooth. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> now, we did mention at the top of the episode that, there that you are half of the second ABA championship winning team. That was Big Smoke yeah. Barbecue. Yep. Um, t- tell us a bit about your time there. Yeah, so... 2016, we first um, started competing. Um, that was the year Suck Knuckle Smokers won that year, and we learned a lot. Um, didn't do so well start of the year. We probably, I reckon we would have done six or seven comps that year and started off pretty poor and slowly sort of worked our way up by the end of it. Um, then 2017, we started really sort of ramping it up and doing a lot more barbecue comps. Um, so we would have done probably 12 that year. So we did quite a few. Um, and that was the year that we won. So 2017, um, yeah, Australian champions, um, back on the old, we were the last ones on the old leaderboard system with the, the points, the way they scored the points. Um, it came down to the last, very last competition for the year as well. And they kept it, um, which was the invitational. Um, they kept it a secret there. Uh, it was probably a week or so afterwards. And then did the live stream to to um, see who won that one. We we're lucky enough to yeah come up with the win. Um, and then yeah went on again 2018 to compete. Went over to the American Royal, which was an amazing experience over there. Just opens your eyes to what well, barbecue is just yeah so different over there than what it is over here. Um, Learned a lot as well while we're over there. Um, and then this year we've decided to go our own ways and Bison Barbecue, yeah, was created. Yeah, tell us more about Bison. Um, so Pete's, there's basically myself and Pete that are on the team. Um, we've competed in one competition before all this crazy COVID <laughs> stuff happened, but um, we actually GC'd the first comp as well, which is... Hey, there you go. So we're one for one, so we, if we never have to compete again, we can say we're, you know, 100% average, which is amazing. Undefe- <laughs> undefeated. Undefeated, undisputed champions. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so one comp, the um, the comp down there in Geelong, yeah, it was literally just before, we actually rocked up. We were supposed to have the meat stock in Melbourne, but we rocked up, set up, and that night after we set up was the day that it all happened in lockdown. So we had to pack up and the next morning and away you go, unfortunately. So it's all on hold at the moment, but really, really looking forward to getting back into it. Mm, yeah, I, I think I need to get uh, Sheepy in here on the on the show and find out if we're going to get a get a sanctioned ABA competition down at his, uh, yeah. his paddock down there. Well, the way, the way it's going at the moment, I don't think it's going to be for a while. No, <laughs> no. No, I, I, I guess we should probably um, should uh, just address that a little bit. How is the whole situation down? Because you're in Melbourne. How, how are yeah. things down there? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's difficult. Um, after today with the, the extra lockdowns, we're supposed to be only going within five kilometres of the house. Um, so oh, I hadn't heard Europe. that. Yeah, so that just came out today. So there's stage four got released today. So it's interesting. So... Yeah, haven't had a day of that one yet, but from what we've been going through so far, hasn't been so bad. I've been working from home a lot, so the, the good part about it is you spend a lot more time with the family. Um, to be honest, I haven't been doing a lot of cooking over the last little bit, which is good to have, a, I think, a little bit of a break, and then um, once things get back into it, just before comps kick in, then we'll get get sort of back into it again. Yeah, sounds good. I, I didn't realise that you'd been uh, sort of – Elevated yeah. to, to step four Next there. Five kilometers. Five kilometers of your house. And tomorrow they're going to announce the uh uh what workplaces can be closing and stuff like that as well. So there's gonna be extra stuff going on. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. We were actually uh, this close to being back to life as normal up here in, in Queensland. Yep. And then uh we've had a bit of a setback with some naughty yeah. girls who went down to Melbourne to party and have brought it back with them and lied on their way back in across the border and spread it around. And so we're looking uh, like we're going to be heading back towards that sort yeah, of lockdown sort of sure. way as well. Mate, it's a, God, it's a damn shame. It is. It is. We, we were so close. I know. We're more <laughs> thinking that we might actually get a comp, comp or two at the end of the year for us Victorians. It might still happen other states, but for us Victorians, I can't see it happening, unfortunately. No, me neither. Me neither. I mean, it's it's August now, and it's it kicked off in uh, in March. So there's yep. five months. Yeah, add five months to now, and that's January next year. So 
fingers crossed it all, it's all over by the end of the year and we can um, start next season and have a full year of barbecue comps would be nice. That would be good. It would be good to start seeing uh, Bison Barbecue get some uh, get some runs up on the board yeah. there. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So tell me, what has been your your proudest moment in barbecue? Uh, well, probably the one that takes cake would be the the 2017 championship, that win. Uh, so it's a bit of a come from behind win as well. From memory, we'll sort of third or fourth on the leaderboard leading into that that last comp. And um, we scored, we, uh, we uh, come third overall, but still the points um, got us across the line because we had such high scoring competition um, on that day. So it got us, got us through and we won by one point in the end of the championship. Oh, wow. Just, just got through. And, yeah, obviously just being able to say that 2017 Australian champion was amazing. Um, the other one, obviously, which was the best experience that I've had was going over to America and competing over there and just saying that we've been able to compete in the American Royal and the people that you meet over there and the things that you learn from them over there as well. They're just more than happy to share. Um absolutely everything they do. The neighbours that we had while we're there, it was just, it was incredible, incredible experience. Yeah, I've, I've, something I've, I'll be able to do again one day. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard that it's quite the competition to go to for, uh, for um, in, in inverted brackets, uh, networking. And um, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> we call <it> that. <laughs> I was, um, I was speaking with an American friend who referred to it as networking 12 ounces at a time. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It was very much that. Yeah, they love to party over there. They definitely love to party. And they don't, the majority of them just don't take it. Like it's similar over here, but even more to an extent over there, they don't take it too seriously. They, they're they just there to have fun and hang out with their mates and have a laugh and just share the, the barbecue experience, which um, was good to see, really good to see. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's fantastic. Um, so we all have um, uh, some some funny stories about our barbecue. What is... Uh, what is one one monumental stuff up that you've had on the grill? Um, the one that comes to mind um, was actually the, the GC that we won on Bison Barbecue in Geelong, um, almost for, uh, not waking up to the court. I remember the, um, the knock on the window, I was sleeping in the car at the time, and Pete, Pete's woken up and did the old knock on the window like he's supposed to be up and it was the the panic moment, you know, rip yourself out of bed. And <laughs> where am I? There might have been a, a few too many froffies the night before that might have led to that. The uh, the alarm actually did go off, but I didn't hear it. All <laughs> oh, right. So, yeah, that didn't help. But, yeah, that's probably the big one. Um, yeah, that would have been probably the, the – the biggest stuff up that I've had. <laughs> yeah. Although I, I, I guess given that you uh, cook on drums, then it, it probably wouldn't have mattered that much then because the drums can do, uh, yeah, can do things a whole lot faster. Yeah. Yeah, correct. So be, also don't want to sleep in too long, I guess, as well. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so we're probably – you're cooking a brisket sort of in five hours or so. So um, it's a much quicker cook. When we first started, so we'll cook you're definitely cooking that real low and slow style, but um, especially when you're cooking a lot of competitions, finding those little things that make things a lot um, easier and um, yeah, being able to take the less toll on you is um, yeah, much better. More drinking time too <laughs> than not before. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. All righty, so let's get into uh, into Stag and Co. Now, tell us about that. I I know that you're doing some great work with a lot of people from around the country. So let's let's kick things off. Tell us what Stag and Co. is and and yeah. when it got started. Yeah, sure. So 2017, we actually started under Kirby and Spence. Um, so that's the pickle brand that we actually started with. Oh, um, right. And the main reason we started that. So when Big Smoke Barbecue were also doing um, catering at the time, and we're getting a lot of our catering pickles. Um, in big catering buckets from someone else and paying exorbitant amounts of money for it. Um, and I, again, I fancy doing sort of new things. So I decided to make the own pickles and it sort of went from there and then decided to make our own label. So that, um, Kirby and Spence was born out of that. Um, then started to dabble into a little bit of rubs under the same, same brands. Um, and then from there, last year, we moved on into Stag & Co as an overarching brand that could make other people's 
Rubs Forum. Um, so we got Butcher's Axe Barbecue on board last July, so just over 12 months ago, which is our, our first, our um, first partnership that we had and test the waters and, yeah, haven't looked back since. It's just gone, yeah, from strength to strength and, and growing. We're outgrowing where we, um, where we are currently and looking to, yeah, move into a bigger place as well. Wow, so, that's, yeah, that, really that's well. fast. Yeah, it is. Something that just sort of started as a bit of a hobby and it's just grown overnight. So you've been making rubs all day today, just trying to keep up with the demand at the moment. So, yeah, it's been great. That's incredible, mate. That's that's so good. So for, for those that are not familiar, give us a bit of a rundown about what a co-packer is. Um, so basically we're taking other people's recipes um, and – doing the mix for them. So the actual spices, et cetera, for them and jarring it all up. So from labels to boxing, so they've got a ready package ready to sell out into the marketplace. Um, so everything, you know, from your barcodes to your labeling laws and all that type of stuff. So it takes sort of the hassle out um, for people, um, the day-to-day jobs. That's quite easy then for someone to come in. We know exactly what to do and the steps that it takes um, to take it from an idea to, to finish goods and also um, in a hundred odd shops around the country as well. So we've got those, those leads to, to get products into stores as well. Oh, right. So you're not just doing the manufacturing, you've also got the, the, the distribution network yeah, as well. Yeah. So we're dabbling in that as well at the moment. Um, that's probably the newest part of it and a big learning curve, but um, yeah, getting through it. Um, and that's growing, growing a lot as well at the same time, which is great. Yeah, fantastic. I'm I'm going to loop back to that just a bit later on. Yep. Um, so you, you mentioned before about the the labeling. I've I've heard that uh, that quite often the the hardest part is is getting those little like um, Australian legally approved nutrition breakdown things. Like what 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 sort of process is involved in that? Is it as hard as what people say it is, or is it? Uh, like a- well, it's, it's a probably a big scary thing at start. And I remember at the start for us, we were exactly the same, but it, it really isn't. Um, there's a lot of calculators actually that you can um, go online and actually find the calculators to, to put in um, your product codes. Um, and a lot of the, obviously when you're buying raw ingredients, they've got their own nutritional panels themselves to mix them all together to, to create one. So, um, it does sound scary, but it's, um, actually isn't. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so you don't have to like send it off to like a food scientist to break it down and get like a computer printout and all that. No, you Ah, don't. Uh, Okay. Yeah. That was what I had been led to believe, but I'm, I'm relieved to hear that that's not the case. No, that's it. Cause it kind of sounds like that would be a nightmare. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. So you mentioned uh, butcher's ax before. What, um, what, what sort of work have you been doing with them? Yeah. So they started last July with, um, Hunter, their, their first rub. Um, and we really wanted to get someone on board to start this, this process, um, um, with other, other people. So we could start co-packing for people. So got them on board. And I remember at the start, cause our, um, our minimum batch size is 200 kilos. And so there was a bit of a hesitant, um, push from them is like, what happens if we don't sell it? You know, how much is it going to cost us? All that type of stuff. And um, so the first batch of um, Hunter took about six months to sell. And now they're turning over like every four weeks, they're turning over a 200 kilo batch. It's like how big it's growing on their their rubs. It's just going absolutely insane for them. But now looking back at it with them, it's, it's actually quite funny thinking about how hesitant we were about sort of moving into that space just because of the, large volumes but they're yeah, they're killing it at the moment yeah that's awesome so is that is that every four weeks just in hunter or is that like just across hunter, there no just hunter yeah it's, it's going wow. um so yeah big big things coming from them as well which i can't say too much but there's lots more to come this year as well from them but um they're busy behind the scenes um creating recipes and etc to to get a few more things up up and running yeah Certainly looking forward to to seeing some of that. How many um how many publicly available rubs are they up to now? Is it three? Uh yes, three. Three, that's right. Yep. There's 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 big, Hunter, Bullseye. And Big Bark and as well. The big charcoal. Bark, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I remember the the highly controversial charcoal rub, yeah. Yes, I, that's it. I, I just couldn't remember the name. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so um they're 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 not the only ones that you've been working with. You've been doing um a lot of work with with a lot of people from from around the country, who else have you been uh, been working with? 
Um, so we've got Badass Barbecue as well, which was our second um, team to come on board. So they were getting their rubs done through someone else beforehand and then um, started getting their stuff done through us back end of last year. Um, and then Smoky Pastures, which have recently come on board this year as well out of South Australia. Out of South Australia. Um, yeah, so we've got a few more coming on board. Uh, so we're sucking up for smokers as well. So we'll have the 2016, 2017, 2009, uh, sorry, 18 champions, which will be, yeah, which is pretty cool to say that we've got that under the arsenal. Um, with, yeah, plenty more in the works as well, lots of inquiries and working through lots of recipes with people at the moment. So keeping us really busy. Yeah, right. That's awesome. There's, that's quite a stable of, um, of, of big names there. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. No, there's yeah. Hopefully, can add on add on a couple others and get get every single year would be nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, I'm just trying um, to think of who the other ABA championship winners are. Uh, what else have we got? There's only the one other, the proper one for the proper championship. There's only one other. Can't remember who it is now. Beard and barbecue. Sorry, that's who it is. Oh, that's yeah. Of course, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yep. Um, sorry. Apologies, Tony. Um, <laughs> and then the probably the controversial 2021 with what with whatever happens this year. <laughs> well, so far there's only one guy who's who's managed to get to three comps. He's, oh, he's no. number one on the ladder, and then everyone else yeah. is underneath him is unranked. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Is all buy some barbecue there um, undefeated. So maybe give it to us. Yeah. There's actually two of us though. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Could be interesting, yeah. Yeah. Now we we touched on distribution there earlier. So, um, how, like, what sort of network are we talking here? Is it is it a national network? Is it an, an international network? How does it yeah, all sort of come we, together? Um, we send out through couriers around Australia, so we're in all states. Um, so, yeah, we're in roughly a hundred odd um, uh, butcher shops, barbecue stores, that type of stuff around Australia. Um, we've recently broken um, the New Zealand market as well, so sending stuff over to Barbecue Boy um, over there. So he's getting quite a bit of stuff going over there at the moment, which is good, and selling through lots of the um, competitions are kicking back on as well too. So we'll probably see a lot more volume of that stuff going through. And um, we're just working on um, two other countries at the moment, obviously being the US um, and the UK is the other one that we're working on at the moment. So it's a little bit more challenging with the distance and cost, et cetera. But um, yeah, watch this space for those two, which would be great. Yeah, getting into the US would be a dream because the market is just so big. I'd, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised to hear you say, though, that you're heading to the UK. I'd, I'd, I wouldn't have thought that the UK would have been a been quite like such a large market. I'd, like I would have thought that we would have been a bigger market than them. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's hard to know. I think we are, but um, they don't have a lot of stuff other than the American stuff coming over and they really look at, um, from what we've been speaking to them about, they look to Australia where they want to be in the future from a barbecue competition and um, I guess what the celebrities that some of the Australian teams have as well, that type of stuff. They really want, they're really striving to get to that to where we are now. Um, so I think that's why they really want to get some of those rubs and stuff over there as well. So they really, really look up to us. That's quite interesting because we're mm. like, we're sort of keeping our eyes firmly on America and we're sort of yeah. heading in that direction. And then it's, it's kind of odd to hear that, that another country is now looking at us and saying, Hey, we want our barbecue scene to be like theirs. Yeah. I think, I guess at the end of the day, America's on a different level to everyone. Whereas um, Australia is something that you can yeah, quite easily achieve. So um, yeah, striving to get to where we are first, I guess is probably a stepping stone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well put, well put. Yeah. Mate, that's super exciting about uh, about all the international uh, sort of different options there. Yeah. What is it like when it comes to things like, because um, I, I, I know that importing food products into Australia is is quite difficult. What sort of, uh, what because it's dried herbs and spices and things like that, is it, it, is it different to, to other types of foods or is it, um, no, is it equally hard to ship it out to, say, America? Yeah. It depends um, on the ingredients as well. So certain ingredients are banned in certain countries. So there are some of the rubs that can't go to overseas, but um, working with the ones that can. So they're usually the ones um, that can spread um, disease and things like that within their own agriculture um, is where they look for it. But there is, yes, certain ones. We're not, um, we're across New Zealand side of things, but we're still working through, yeah, the other, other ones at the moment. Wow. So I, I, I'm really surprised to hear that, uh, that, 
crops can get diseases from yeah like, dr- dried herbs and spices. Yeah, I don't um I don't know how easy it is, especially from I guess like an Australia point of view, but I guess from some of the other countries um when they're not necessarily bagging it up correctly and can have bugs and things like that in there as well. I guess, but yeah. Oh, okay, okay, so it's. Probably yeah, more to do know, with yeah, contaminants yeah. rather than the actual herbs yeah. and spices themselves. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we don't want to uh, bring the uh, bring the cane beetle over by mistake or anything yeah, like that, because <laughs> we all know where that goes. <laughs> so, uh, so for people that are out there listening and they've they've got all these ideas for these great um, different recipes that they want to do, um, what 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 advice would you have for them for for getting their recipe to a point where it's ready to start talking to someone like yourself? Yeah, it's a good point. A lot of testing. Um, and I guess not knowing what the, um, the rub is actually for as well. So, um, for example, you, like if you're wanting to go down the sweetness, the heat path, um, your savory path, cause there's quite a few rubs out there that can be a bit of a mix mash between sort of all of it and not really have something that's a standout, I guess. Um, so really knowing at the start of what you want to, achieve out of it and what the protein's for and um, et cetera would be a really good start. Um, and then, yeah, making, there's a lot of uh, spice groceries out there. So go and grab your, all your different spices. They've probably got a lot of stuff that you don't, haven't heard of before. So experimenting with all the bits and pieces, um, things from colors as well. So you get lots of different colors from different spices to make your rubs look a different way. Um, and then, yeah, testing and going back and adding a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that. And, yeah. And then submitting it where we, we go. So just practice, practice, practice. Yeah, definitely. And um, the guys, before they come to us, they do a lot of work behind the scenes. Um, I'm glad that I don't have to do it because there's a lot of time and hours spent in cooking when you think about how long it takes to cook your barbecue as well <laughs> with a lot of these rubs going on. There's a lot of time, money spent just on yeah, testing these things out. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're talking about like a, a brisket rub, you got to mix up three yeah. different versions of the recipe. There's three briskets, that's $400. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, and, and 12 hours per brisket sort of thing. Like it's, uh, yeah, certainly it's adds a lot to the development point. stage. <laughs> yeah. Um, now do you, uh, are you moving into sources as well? Yeah. Something we're looking at. So something that we can't do ourselves currently, um, but we are looking at other co-packers. Um, so later this year, we're looking at doing our own, um, branded source, and then getting into the um, space where other people can actually come through us to help them through the process as well. So that's, um, we're looking at that at the back end of this year. It gets a bit, um, so we've had some issues with our pickles and things like that as well with glass as well. So we're working through some solutions on that because you get a lot of breakages sending them around the country. The couriers decide to use them as footballs sometimes. So um, we're working through things like that, especially with the sources um, and where we can go through there. But yeah, definitely looking at opening opening up what we do. Yeah, nice, nice. Why is there a difference between co-packing sources and co-packing rubs? Um, so basically the things that, to make it commercially viable in sources as well, the equipment that you need and the big boilers, et cetera, that you need is a little bit different from the, the rub side of things. Um, there's a lot more equipment, et cetera, needed than what you do with um, mixing rubs together, basically. Oh, okay, so it's not necessarily like a regulatory type no, thing? No, no, no. Yeah, just the, the equipment needed. Um, it's the main, the main thing that you need. Okay, cool. Make it commercially viable as well because you need to make it really big batches to make it commercially viable. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that would be the big one. Interesting. So you'd really have to uh, ha- like have a good brand behind you before you even started trying to, to yeah. get into this. Yeah, you definitely do, especially if you want to make it, uh, make it commercially viable um, for you, for your retailers, um, especially then if you've got someone co-packing it and distributing it for you. So there's a lot of people that are taking a, a cut of the margin there. So um, your pricing will go up and up and up once you're, you're touching three or four hands. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, I don't doubt that for a, like <laughs> at, at, at all. That's all really interesting stuff. Um, is there like a, an, an approval process um, that, that businesses who want to do business with you need to go through before, like, like, do you taste the recipes and go, nah, this isn't like, <laughs> like you, like you need to keep working on this or. Um, <laughs> definitely do have our opinions on things. And um, sometimes I just, yeah, 
sort of go by the ear, but and some and sometimes it's worked out well and you hear what other people say about it and you're like, yep, all right, I'm wrong. But um yeah, at the end of the day it is up to them on what it is. We make their suggestions and it's more so if they come back and um it's not quite right and then because we've tasted a lot of them, um give suggestions on adding sugar, salt, pepper, whatever it might be, um, to get the flavor that they're actually after, or some of the even things like colours and things like that as well. Mm. And how how in depth is the fine tuning process? So um, one of the things that I've heard from speaking to people is that um, when they move to a co-packer is even though the the ingredients is technically the same yep. ingredient, if it's from a different manufacturer and that sort of stuff. So how long how long does it typically take yeah. to 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 fine tune that and then readjust the recipe? Yeah, so it definitely, definitely does. Even things like paprika and the colour of the paprika to the taste, um, the pepper, the grain sizes, and even the salts and things like that that you use can have a different saltiness as such <laughs> um, in them. So it does take a bit of time. What we'd like to do um, is actually get, get their recipes and send them out what's, what we actually use so then they can blend. So they've got a recipe in mind, but then they can mix it as well themselves before we start otherwise the process could be going six seven eight um times before we sort of land on something so at least they can play around with the um the stuff that we actually use um and get a little bit closer first just so we're not going back and forth all the time yeah that's a good idea so you you send them out like a like a little sample box or something yeah here's the pepper here's the salt here's the the breaker etc use these for the mix because yeah things can get very different like they're paprika from different parts of the world and you know that type of stuff as well so yeah interesting yeah that's that's pretty cool now um where do you stand on smoked salts this is something i'm starting to see popping up more and more um i to be honest i haven't used it before and i haven't i've seen it popping up um i haven't heard too much about it in terms of what other people think about it or anything so i can't really give too much of an opinion about it but it has actually been something that's come up on our radar to have a look at for future because by the sounds of it it is doing all right i mean it's popping up everywhere so people are people are using it but um definitely one i need to give a go yeah i'd i'd imagine it'd be um it'd, it like it'd have to be cold smoking yeah, I would think so. Um, yeah, sending it through cold smoking chambers um, to get that that smoke flavour in it without um, breaking down the salts, I guess. Yeah, because I I'd, I'd, like I was running through it in my head and I was thinking if it was hot smoking, then you'd be heating the moisture in the air. Yeah. The the salt crystals would be absorbing that and sort of melting and then you'd have to just like a big sheet of salt yeah. have to like break it up. Yeah, I'm very. I'm actually interested in. I know there's a, a local guy down here that does a bit as well down my way on the peninsula. Uh, I might have to head down and ask him a little bit more about it. Yeah, could be a good <laughs> idea. Yeah, yeah. Alrighty. So, um, what's coming up in the future for Stag and Co? Then you've you've mentioned already that you talk about uh, looking overseas and all that sort of stuff. Um, when are we going to start seeing some bison barbecue stuff on the on the shelves? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I think uh, not many people know too much a little bit about bison barbecue. It probably goes to your point before about um, like it doesn't mean that you can't, but um, having that name beforehand definitely helps to make sure you got that pull through on the shelves. So I don't think you'll see uh, bison barbecue on the shelves in the in the near future. I'd love to have it there at some stage, but um, not the near future. The moment we are concentrating on the co-packing side of things, other than our um, own brands in the uh, rub space, anyway. Um, so yeah, we've got, um, yeah, some more stuff come from Smoky Pastures this week, um, which is a, um, a game rub. Um, we've got suck knuckle smokers, which have got their fry seasoning, which are really excited about that one. Tastes absolutely amazing. Loaded, loaded fries and potato gems. Um, so and good. yeah, um, some more stuff from Badass as well, which is in the works. Um, and obviously Butcher's Axe as well. They've got um, a few things coming for the back end of this year. Um, they're working with a couple of the barbecue restaurants as well. Won't name names at the moment, but um, working on a couple of theirs to, to get theirs up and running for doing it through the catering side of things as well and then just selling um, selling their shakers at the same time. That's a top idea. So you can go to like a food truck and get your brisket burger and yeah. go, wow, that's delicious, and then go, here, for an extra $10, you can have a right. shaker of the seasoning. Yeah. Yeah, so that's sort of one we haven't really dabbled in yet, but, yeah, that's um, yeah, sort of the next step. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd Ben Arnott. 
Alrighty, so to uh, to close out the interview, we're going to be uh, discussing some uh, some solo competing um, tips and techniques here. So I understand that you have quite a lot of experience in in terms of competing solo. How different is it when you are competing solo or in a team? Because I mean, I'd, I always compete in a team of four, and I can't imagine <laughs> just just doing it on my own. I just I can't even fathom it. Yeah, so it definitely takes um, a little bit of time to get used to. So we'll competing quite a bit, as I was saying before, the 10, 12 sort of times a year. Um, and quite often there would be um, weekends back-to-back in different parts of Australia where um, one of us would fly to one um, comp and the other one would fly to the other or the other one can't make because we're always a team of two. Um, so, I mean, we already had the upper hand, I guess, from a, from a team of two, but um, we always we were always over-prepared. So from things like all your sources were already in um, – labeled jars ready to go, all your um, rubs, et cetera, are all labeled ready to go. Um, and the big one as well was around your trimming of your meat. I know um, and I, it's a bit of fun doing it on site, but um, and we, we still do that a little bit now, but um, being able to trim your meat, um, cry back it back up. So when you get there, you don't have to worry about anything like that. You can worry about your passing, especially if you think about competing by yourself, you still got to do passing boxes as well. So um yeah, so you're just trying to take out a lot of the work just so you can sort of focus because um, we've done so many um, and we're both um, doing all the comps. You know each protein. We had it all written down what we needed to do. Um, so you just follow follow your steps um, and, yeah, away you go really. So you're basically just uh, like doing exactly the same thing Over, step by yeah. step by step. That repetition, so um, we we didn't change a lot from comp to comp. It was always the the same thing, probably for close to two years. It wasn't a lot of changes, minor tweaking. Um, we cooked on similar barbecues for for a couple of years there too. So there was wasn't a lot of a lot of change. So just keeping that consistently, doing the same thing over and over, um, I think really helps. Once you start changing things, changing your barbecues, drastically changing. Um, you know, your rubs and sauces and even cooking times, et cetera, yeah, then you've got a lot more more error in there instead yeah. of honing in sort of one skill. Okay, I see. Um, you mentioned uh, having everything pre, pre-bottled pre and, and pre-mixed and all that sort of stuff before. Yeah. Um, when it comes to things like layering rubs, do you, like – mix up a bottle of the three different rubs that you're going to put no. on and shake them up and then put them on once or do you still put them on in the three separate yeah, layers? Still, still putting on those three separate layers. To, to be honest, I don't know if it would do much to, other than it could do a couple of things with different colours, but other than that, I don't know. Uh, you probably could do that quite, quite easily, but I guess it's just that habit by having your two or three different rubs and, and putting them on. And having your different layer, it's always this one first, that one next. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just curious about that, but yeah, you're right. It it would affect things like uh, like coloring and, um, yeah, and the order that things hit the palate and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could be. Um, also, FIFO. You're talking about flying around the country and and doing different competitions. How how hard is that to do when you're not traveling with your own stuff? Yeah, um, yeah. It's actually. I think we. From memory, we actually won more comps on other people's stuff than what we did on our own <laughs> stuff. Um, but uh, so my family are up in Gold Coast, so we're lucky enough. Um, my dad used to follow us around in his motorhome and um, would borrow people's gear and then would have a place to sleep. It was actually more luxury when we went up there than what it was competing down here. Had a nice warm bed to sleep in, TV and et cetera. Um, so yeah, it was quite easy for us to do those ones, um, and then we'll. I think the um, catering helped us a lot as well because we we're borrowing, um, uh, borrowing um, different pits that we'd cooked on before for for catering, etc. So it was quite similar. Um, we had a yeah, big breadth of what we cooked on before, um, which definitely helps. Right, so you you kind of knew how all these different types of barbecues were going to. Uh... Yeah, so we use it like quite often it would be the barbecue um, mafia. Um, offset would be using that they use the catering so we use that quite a bit and uh, we went up there um got us quite a few brisket trophies on that which was nice when we're traveling up there um uh, a couple of trying to think what else we had so there's some gmgs as well when we went up there as well some of the pellets so we cooked on quite a few different things drums gmgs offsets which we started we won the 2017 on the um offset just the offset on the manhorn yeah Interesting, yeah. The, was that the um the the bone collector, the the mafia trailer that you're talking about? 
Yeah, uh, it was the Bone Collectors. There, I'm trying to think. It wasn't the Bone Collector. That was the really big one. It was their smaller one, which they first started off with. Um, yeah, but it wasn't the. Oh, it could be the Bone Collector. Could be. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I, I I love that thing. It's sexy as. Oh, it's so easy to cook on. I love that thing. If I could, I'd, I'd buy it tomorrow. <laughs> so easy to cook on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a it's a beautiful bit of gear. So, what is the the longest distance then that you've travelled for a for a barbecue competition? Uh, it probably would have been Kingaroy. Um, so flying from here to my parents' house up in Brizzy, um, dad picking us up in the motorhome. And then driving from there to Kingaroy, which from memory is three or good hours north of Brisbane. Um, yeah, so that's probably the furthest I've ever done. And then, so that was like on a Friday, go set up um, Saturday morning, barbecue comp, and then Sunday night, drive straight back to the airport and fly home and back to work again the next day. So it does take it out of you. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of, of course, it does help when you've got um, sort of family and all that around. Have you ever gone to like a, say, I, I don't know, Perth or somewhere where you don't know anybody where you've had to sort of really put it out into the community for, for assistance? Um, the one I did solo, Bangalore, was like that. Um, uh, so, yeah, going into Bangalore, not really. I knew a few of the barbecue teams and things like that, but trying to pick up bits of gear from like five different teams. So you've got a table over here, you've got a Canberra over there, Marquee. It was, yeah, a bit of a nightmare. There was a couple of times actually as well, the Brisbane Barbecue Festival once as well. And we literally got a three-by-three three marquee, one little table, no Canberra, a little esky, and you're just like, well, how are we going to do this? <laughs> it's just yeah. little things. Um, our luggage got lost, that, that's the same one. Our luggage got lost and didn't oh. think we were going to have any any uh, knives or, you know, temperature gauges that we do take or even rubs and sauces. We thought that was all gone, but we ended up getting that back, which was good. So, yeah. Oh, lucky had, just had, in time. Had, had, had has it challenges over the time? I'll bet. Yeah, well, that was actually what, uh, one of the things I was going to ask was what, what's been the biggest challenge that, that, that you've had competing solo and flying around the country? Yeah, so I think that would that would be it. Like losing your losing your gear would be one because you've got such tight turnarounds. Like flying in on a Friday and starting a competition on the Saturday, you know, ten o'clock the next day is when you've got your site inspections. Um, so you have to have everything up and running. So you're really relying on other people that sometimes you haven't met before to bring your gear, and you know you've got your inspections. And if you don't have the gear, then yeah, you can't compete. Type thing. So it does get a little bit nerve wracking in that sense. But um, everyone's come come to the party, and everyone's been great like that. If you forget something, they're always been keen to to lend you whatever it might be um to get you through yeah very nice that that is one of the things i do love about the uh about the barbecue scene yeah now you mentioned um bangalore there before that's one of my local competitions what year was that uh that was the last one they had actually won the uh pickle competition that year so that was just as we started the pickles i remember that now um what's the last year so that was 2000 and it must have been 18 i think yeah, I think so. Yeah, the year after we were, yeah, so 2018. Um, so I came fourth overall in that one, um, with first place brisket at that one. So I was pretty, pretty proud. That was my first time competing solo. So I was pretty proud of that one. Yeah, well done. That was a that was a very cold competition from memory. I remember that yeah. one. The I was, motorhome was good though. Nice and warm in there. I was sleeping <laughs> in the back of my truck, and I woke up, and there was condensation dripping down the insides <laughs> of the windows of the truck just from my breath inside the inside the truck overnight. <laughs> It was really super cold. All right, well, that's probably a good point now to start uh, wrapping this up. So I'm going to throw the studio open to you now. Give some shout-outs to whoever you want to give shout-outs to. Give some thanks, give some praise. And, of course, tell everybody where they can track you down on the social media. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so you can head over to stagandco.com.au. So we've got our online store there, which you can pick up any of our products. Um, you can also inquire about if you obviously if you want to your own rub. We've got the all the information there that you need to do to um, yeah bring out your own rub with us. A um, couple of shout outs from a Bison Barbecue side of things. So our major sponsor being Kelly's Meats. Obviously, being a new team and it's formed very very quickly so we haven't had no one knowing us we didn't have many sponsors at the start but kelly's meats has been amazing to to get behind us um and give us everything that we needed um along with sure wagyu so they've been been great um and actually just 
uh, picked up partnership recently with barbecue spits and rotisseries as well. So um, they're local. They're literally five minutes away from my house. But, um, yeah, great supporters of the barbecue scene and us. And, yeah, looking forward to um, to 2020. I probably can't say 2020 anymore. It'll be 2021 barbecue season with uh, with all of them and hopefully a few more. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. You've got some... Uh, some some great backers there, really good. Now you you mentioned Kelly's meats there before, which just sort of triggered something in my mind. I saw you drinking a VBA beer there, Victorian Barbecue Alliance beer. What's yes? What's happening there? Um, yeah, so they just had a bit of a collab with their local um, brewery down Gippsland Way and been able to put their own um, labels on it. And they've got a, a license to be able to sell four pack at a time. So he just, yeah, sells four pack at a time and everyone gets in and supports him. And I think he's actually almost, he's only had it a couple of weeks. He's almost sold out of his first batch. Everyone's gone nuts for it at the moment, which is great. Great to see everyone getting, getting behind him. That's so cool. It's like a butcher branded beer. It's very cool. Yeah. <laughs> All righty, man. Well, look, look, I'm going to say thanks very much for for taking time to come on the show. I I really appreciate it. I have seen your uh, your 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 partner and your son sort of moving in and out in the in the back screen there. So I'm I'm, I'm guessing you're missing out on on storybook time. Yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm going to say thanks very much and uh, and best of luck with everything that that you're doing. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on the show. And there you have it, family. How good was that? That was Scott both from Stag & Co., from Bison Barbecue, and so much more stuff. He's doing a lot of work with a lot of uh, of the big names in the barbecue scene here, and a lot of what he's doing is really helping elevate the whole scene as a whole. So it's been great to have him on the show and great to hear his story. And if you are thinking about getting into competitions and you're sort of, you're not, you're sort of teetering on the edge, you haven't really got a team together, make sure you go back and listen again to that final segment there. There's some great tips there. For, uh, for getting out there and competing solo. And if you are out there and you do have some uh, some recipe ideas for some rubs and things, make sure you do contact Scott there at, St- at Stag and & Co and, uh, and get the lowdown on what you can do to get your brand out there and get your rubs into the shops. One, 100 uh, different locations around the country. That is a great, great opportunity there. Um, Alrighty, so if you've been enjoying this episode of the show, if you're watching on Facebook, please give us a like and a share. If you're watching on YouTube, give us a subscribe and hit that little notification bell. Oh, and the thumbs up. Give us a thumbs up as well. We love the thumbs up. And if you're watching on Instagram, on IGTV, give us one of those cute little hearts and a follow. And if you're listening on a podcasting app, do give us a five-star rating and review. We do appreciate it. And today's shout-out goes to Peg426 for their five-star review. Thank you very much, Peg426. That was greatly appreciated, and it really made my day. And so that's all the time that we do have for today's show. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions.